You're listening to ClearCast, the real estate fintech podcast by Clear Capital. Each month, your co-hosts, Jeff Allen and Keenan Chen, will bring you compelling stories and revolutionary ideas from the people, companies, and institutions at the intersection of real estate, finance, and technology. Want to be a guest on the show or have an idea for an episode? Email marketing at clearcapital.com and let us know. And now, here's the show. Hello, and welcome back to the ClearCast podcast. This is episode two. It is a very special episode. Um, The world has changed fairly significantly uh, since the last episode, which which we recorded all the way back in February even though that was two months ago, feels like two decades ago. Uh, I'm Jeff Allen, and I'm here with Keenan Chen. Keenan, how are you? I am doing pretty good, considering everything. I agree, things have uh, changed massively. In fact, where are you, Jeff? I am uh, calling you from an undisclosed location uh, in a mountain bunker <laughs> that I have sequestered myself in to protect my family. No, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I am I am calling you from my cabin in western wisconsin oh yeah so uh our last episode was was recorded live from our new podcast studio at the clear capital headquarters in reno nevada and uh we got it all set up nicely and everything and now i don't know if we'll ever see that podcast studio again yeah glad glad we spent all that money on nice mics and stuff now we're just using airpods (laughs) (laughs) Hey, is uh, is Kelly Clarkson up there? I thought I thought I saw that she was in some sort of cabin out there. Is, is she near you or? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, Kelly's with me here at my cabin. Oh, oh, great, <laughs> great. Good relationship with her. Yeah, we're pretty close. Where are you? I am uh, at home in uh, in in the Bay Area here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, as I think everyone knows, uh, the. The, the Bay Area, there's six counties actually in California that were some of the first to uh, to be sheltered in place. And so I've I've literally been home for a month at this point. Um, so I'm definitely going a little bit crazy, a little bit stir crazy. And for those who don't know, Keenan also has two young daughters who have a lot of energy and uh, and enjoy. Uh, interrupting Keenan's video calls that he's taking during the day. So that adds a layer of fun for you, doesn't it? Sure. And I'm sure that no one else out there is going through that at all. I'm the only one. <laughs> what's been, what's been, you know, I mean, obviously this whole situation is, is, is terrible, but I, I try as much as possible to focus on the positives because that's all you can do. One of the positives is that um, I feel like all of us, because we're all working from home and we're all doing video calls and audio calls from home, we've all kind of let our guards down. Um, and <laughs> there's a lot more kids interrupting meetings and, um, you know, people kind of on video calls taking their computer and like giving you a quick video tour of their backyard. And uh, it's just, it's, it, that is one positive of this is we've all kind of, we've all gotten friendlier and a little more informal on our video calls. I agree. I think that we have, we've definitely been, putting the, the human into into technology in a, in a way that we've never had before. I think we always felt like video conferences were, were you know, more of a, a cheap substitute. You know, now they're like a lifeline. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's been interesting to see. 
Well, let's reorient ourselves. Um, this is our second podcast, and, and for, for those of you who listened to the first, you're, you're probably already aware, but we'll reorient. This is a real estate fintech podcast. Um, and Keenan, um, uh, kind of remind the folks what real estate fintech is and uh, why we are uh, focusing a podcast on it. Well, we, we want to explore this overlap between real estate technology, uh, the technology that's you know, helping you know, innovate the way that real estate is you know, bought and sold, um, you know, managed, um, and, and the overlap with, of that with financial technology and all the different you know, innovation to help financial services um, you know, flow smoother and be a better experience. Um, you know, we, we are especially interested in the, in the lending world and, and, uh, and, you know, what it, what it takes to, to get a loan complete, you know, for, for a property, get a mortgage done. And, and, um, and, and those two worlds are overlapping, you know, real estate technology companies are, are building in, um, financial tools and, and, uh, and financial, uh, Technology companies are building in real estate, you know, tools and engaging earlier into the, the home buying process and, and the listing process. So, um, so yeah, this is this is our opportunity to explore that. Seems like the, the the situation right now has been really impacting, you know, a lot of those companies, and and it's, it's driving some new innovation even um, during this this time. Yeah, exactly. So it's a it's a particularly interesting time in real estate fintech. Obviously, every industry right now has been impacted by COVID, um, understandably so. Um, and real estate fintech um, is is really uniquely seems like it's it's being spurred towards some new innovation. Um, there's a lot of things that are being done differently that um, you know the the industry is has wanted to be done differently for a while and and covid has kind of accelerated that pace of change so now that we've defined real estate fintech and and let's talk a little bit about how our little world of real estate fintech has been impacted by covid you know, every industry has been impacted um, there's there's no sector of the world economy that's not touched by this understandably but um, there's there's been some some pretty significant impacts in real estate fintech and the companies and people that serve it. Uh, Keenan, what are the, some of the things that stand out to you uh, in terms of major changes we've seen? Yeah, well, really, it's it's anything that involves um, you know human interaction. Um, obviously, with social distancing, physical distancing being a necessary thing right now, um, you know, it's reminded us how much human interaction is is a part of the real estate process so um so open houses are 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 all on on hold um uh you know down the line when it comes to um appraisals and inspections being done in a home um that's a difficult thing even states that don't have a shelter in place um uh or executive order or 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 um um, you know, restrictions on that, you still have, you know, folks that are really uncomfortable and, and, and nervous about a stranger coming into their home, um, you know, when they don't know, you know, what the, what their health status might be. And, um, you know, but, and then all the way through the loan process as well, um, you know, closings, um, you know, a lot of 
loan closings are done, you know, around the table, signing a bunch of documents and, you know, with a notary and, and other, other things. So, um, we're, we're seeing all those areas under stress right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it really drives home how much of the real estate and mortgage processes um, typically has been done in person. Um, even though the industry has been driving toward digitization for a long time, and it's been a rallying cry for, for lots of lenders, lots of real estate companies, lots of tech companies. Um, but you, the, this whole crisis has made us, I think, us all realize how much human interaction, interaction there still was in the process. Um, and some human interaction is good and important, um, but it seems like there's a, a lot of stuff that's um, going virtual at a pace um, that is pretty mind-boggling. Um, you know, let's, let's talk just, for instance, about, about um, the process of selling your home. You mentioned um, loss of open houses and showings. Um, I think people have all felt for a long time that virtual tours and 3D scans of homes would start to become, uh, and video tours would start to become the norm eventually um, for how homes were sold. But everybody used a timeline expectation for that of years. You know, hey, maybe in three to five years, that will start to become the standard. And somehow it seems like we've gotten there in three to five weeks. Um, so it's it's pretty incredible to see the, the pace of change that's been accelerated by this. Yeah, I, I think that we, you know, same thing with the, 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 the digital mortgage, you know, the idea of, of uh, you know, being digital from from loan application all the way through to to close. I mean, e closing wasn't even legal in every state. Um, so this is also fast tracked, you know, legislation and um, and and changes um, to even allow this to to, to occur. It, it's weird that you know this technology has been around for a long time. Um, it's really just you know now the impetus to remove the roadblocks to actually deploy it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's also been a move to virtual events within our industry, virtual relationship building. That's been interesting to see. What's your experience been with that so far? Well, I was supposed to be on the road um, for the month of March and, um, you know, event after event. And now I'm at home. <laughs> so uh, I'm really, I'm really upset about not being able to go to South by Southwest though. It's still disappointing to me, but no, completely understand. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, interesting to see everyone move to, to virtual events. Um, next week is the LMA virtual experience um, a conference, you know, doing a, a session at that. And, and that seems like that's going to be the, the, the norm, you know, and, um, you know, in our industry, relationship building has, has always been much more of an in-person thing. So um, seeing a lot more, you know, Zoom calls pop up where different, you know, fintech leaders can get together and 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 uh, and do that connection. Uh, I think we're we're doing a virtual happy hour uh, in in May um, for for an event that was going to be in person in New York and and uh, now will be will be virtual. Um, so uh, yeah, there's the world has certainly changed there too. Yeah, I like that virtual to ha happy hours just give everybody an excuse to drink alone in their house. Really. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of change. I think we've we've recapped it pretty well. The question is, what is going to be lasting change and what's going to be temporary change? So let's make some bets. Yeah, what's your prediction? My bet is 
human interaction will eventually come roaring back into the real estate process and the mortgage process when it's safe, um, but only for those touch points where the human interaction adds significant value over the virtual world we're living in right now. So, you know, where human interactions will add significant value, for example, is the real happy hour replacing the virtual happy hour at the industry networking event. Clearly a real happy hour is way better. Um, and, you know, clearly, you know, real estate agents, mortgage brokers, um, people who, whose businesses are built on relationships, you know, those types of human interactions, the in-person meeting, the, the coffee to talk about where, what price to list your home at, um, that stuff I think will still, you know, start to, to recede back to human in some ways. Um, but other aspects where the human interaction is adding less value and actually is maybe potentially creating friction or delay, I think we're creating a technology and process infrastructure right now that could eliminate those permanently. And I don't know exactly what those all are yet, but anything we're laying as a foundation right now that reduces friction, um, you know, virtual tours, um, homeowner guided appraisal inspections on certain low risk loans, I can see those continuing to have a carve out and a future. What do you think? I, I like what you're saying. I, I think that it's going to raise the bar for uh, for expertise, you know, the expertise that a human needs to bring to a, a transaction or to uh, a, a situation, because this is gonna create a lot more access to data, because um, a lot of the things that were maybe only available in the physical world are gonna be digitized and now available as as, as data. So, so what humans need to bring to it, I think is, you know, a, a lot more, um, uh, expertise uh, to to interpret that data uh, and 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 create more accurate products. Um, um, it's not enough to just be the you know uh, just be the the one that handles the logistics of you know driving somewhere or or going and opening a door for someone to get into a house. Uh, it's going to be more about the value add that's provided from the knowledge of that local market, the knowledge of um, of their you know particular practice. Um, so I, I think it will actually raise the game in a way. Yeah, that's well put. The the skills that it will take to be successful as a as a participant in in the the mortgage and real estate processes is going to be is potentially going to be very different. So obviously, COVID's had a, a huge impact on on the economy and the world, um, and and no industry sector or vertical has been spared. There's nowhere to hide. But you know, thankfully, within our world of real estate fintech, there's a lot of companies doing interesting stuff to help. Um, it's really spurred a lot of interesting um, both innovation and uh, philanthropy, for lack of a better term. Uh, we wanted to highlight a few of those today, focusing on the positive of some of the things that are coming out of COVID. So um, there's definitely some companies offering free stuff, financial support, um, and, and some really cool things we wanted to, to call out. First, Roostify, which um, is a digital lending platform that, that connects customers and lenders, uh, is offering a complimentary uh, setup and access to their, to their offering to banks right now for six months. Um, so that, that's very cool. Um, there's a company called Curbio that does pre-sale renovation and improvement. 
uh, pretty interesting business model for Curbio. Um, they've got Curbio quarantine walkthrough that lets homeowners conduct their own video scans with their phones. Um, and if homeowners, if homeowners are still living in the home during renovations and, and wish to vacate, Curbio will cover, cover their relocation expenses and help them find safe temporary housing. They've also got a $100,000 fund set up to support their subcontractors, uh, many of whom have to work in order to support their families. So great stuff from Curbio. And then you see it from banks too, um, large major financial institutions, Bank of America, Chase Capital One, Goldman Sachs, and Wells Fargo. Uh, and I'm sure there's more um, have um, publicly announced pretty significant contributions to nonprofits, uh, food for people in need, medical response, um, a lot of great stuff um, from a lot of banks. And finally, there's this really interesting COVID-19 tech collaborative. Um, it's a bunch of tech companies, a lot of them based in Silicon Valley, um, that have combined together to pledge $22 million to support various COVID-19 uh, related uh, funds. So that's companies like Zoom, SurveyMonkey, Slack, Salesforce, Postmates, et cetera. Um, a lot of really cool stuff happening there. Um, so that's companies who are providing financial support or free tools um, that we thought were, were interesting. But there's also companies driving innovation and digitization during this, this interesting time. Tell us about a few of those, Keenan. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's fun to see companies uh, rising to the challenge here and coming up with new products in, in the midst of this. I think there's a lot of folks probably dusting off, you know, betas or, or things that they had had uh, in flight. Um, but uh, Notarize is uh, one that they're an online document uh, signing, you know, uh, e-close you know, company, and and they've been um, uh, uh, they, they launched an Encompass integration uh, that offers click-to-close loans online um, for fully online closings. That's that's pretty cool. I know there's a number of states that that are that don't allow e-close, so hopefully some of the legislation will, will pass to help that roll out more across the, the nation. Um, and then um, with without um, uh, without access to interior properties right now, there's a number of companies uh, spinning up solutions uh, to help appraisers get a view into the interior of a property so that desktop appraisals can continue. Um, I think we know a company that might have done one of those. Jeff, do you know any? You know anything about that? No, I have no idea what you're talking about at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think there's a there's, there's one called Owner Insight. Um, I hear it's pretty cool. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's fun to see um, a number of uh, companies just trying to keep appraisers safe, trying to keep um, uh, loans you know flowing so that people can get themselves in a better financial position and take advantage of low rates. Um, so helping the appraisal process continue is a good thing. I like it. So um, we've got an awesome guest today and uh, I'm going to let you introduce him in a moment. But first we are going to do what I think is everybody's favorite portion of the podcast so far. And that is the joke of the pod. I got to tell you, Keenan, the reaction from our, our many, many fans to to the podcast without fail every person who comment complimented us on the podcast complimented us on the real estate joke of the pod what do you think of that keaton i i i don't know what to think of that but i 
you know, <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to go with it. Well, we appreciate your flexibility and willingness to allow me to do these jokes. And because the world is in kind of a heavy place right now, I think we're going to do two jokes. Are you ready? I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm buckled in. Okay, joke number one. I made the mistake of offering my realtor some pre-bottled Lipton iced tea. I forgot that he only drinks real tea. <laughs> Do you get it? Can you explain it to me? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you get it. If you don't explain it to me, I'm not sure if you get it. So <laughs> I can't do it. I can't okay. do it. All right, I won't make you do it. I'll explain. Real tea, like real real estate. Oh, okay. Like a <laughs> like a like a real tea. Got it. Yes. Because Lipton Lipton's not real. Lipton's kind of more It's fake. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's why well, it's pre-bottled, right? So it's not real tea. I guess we're not going to get Lipton as a sponsor anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. Uh, okay. Second joke: a young realtor who is also a frat boy. So he's like a member of a, of a college frat. He's he's holding an open house, and the frat boy realtor is passing out information about the house to potential buyers as they're walking in pretty good service. And one of the buyers walking in says, hey, can I see one of those pamphlets? And the realtor says, brochure. <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> I, again, I don't think we're going to have any fraternities uh, sponsoring our, <laughs> our podcast either. But, but yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of feeling that maybe, you know, bro is kind of the way that he would just refer to people. Yep. And his acknowledgement of their request uh, ended up him saying sure so it's like bro sure but then it's also the pamphlet Keenan, you got it i am so proud of you i'm gonna i'm gonna get better at these every week i am so thankful that you let me continue uh derailing these podcasts with the real estate joke of the pod and i look forward to the next edition um so now why don't you veer us back into the land of respectability and uh, and do some introductions on uh, our guest today. I'm happy to move on to the next segment. <laughs> uh, we are we're excited to uh, have uh, to, to have Eric Eric Rockwell, um, the founder and CEO of of Brace, with us. And um, uh, Eric, I've been getting to know him. Um, he he uh, is. Is, is, a, is a wicked smart, as they say, wicked smart guy. Um, uh, he founded Brace in, in uh, 2017, and uh, they provide next generation mortgage servicer software solutions. And, um, and they've been doing some pretty innovative things during this time because, you know, obviously one of the, the, the big impacts of, of this crisis is um, unfortunately folks that, that won't be able to pay their, their mortgage. And so the, the interaction between servicers and and borrowers um, uh, accessing some sort of mortgage, you know, relief is going to be um, a, a huge, um, huge next part of this crisis. So, um, thanks, Eric, for being on the show. Thanks. Excited to be here. Cool. So, you know, we'd love to learn, you know, more, a little bit more about you, how you got into this this crazy world of. Uh, of, of, of FinTech and, um, and, and what you're up to. So um, I actually started my career about 10 years ago in FinTech, um, but not from a traditional operating sense. I was, um, 
I was actually an investment banker at a boutique at the time, now a very large bank focused on financial technology, but um, a bank called uh, Financial Technology Partners led by Steve McLaughlin. Um, and so I got early exposure to the early wave of fintech um, in 2010. Um, the, the technology companies were so different back then than they are today. Um, but I spent a few years on the banking side um, doing M&As and, and, um, and business development and really learning the fintech ecosystem. Um, so uh, I, I went from there to being a venture capitalist um, in Silicon Valley and um, spent some time in, as a generalist. Uh, and then actually, um, most recently, um, prior to founding Brace, um, was at a was at a fund um, a spin out of BBVA um, the bank um, it was called Propel uh, and we focused solely on financial technology financial services investments on the early stage um, so uh, was there investing in in uh, in and around um, financial technology again um, and ultimately that's where you know the idea generation of what what has become Brace um, and that was back uh, in 2016 2017 so so what is really braces mission what what is it that, that you're you're trying to do it's, it's interesting hearing different founders talk about what drove them to try to solve a certain problem but but what is it that you're really trying to solve yeah there's a, so the servicing is kind of that niche nuanced space that no one really thinks about it's an afterthought to be quite quite frank um particularly when it comes to technology innovation um, you mean, you've seen a ton of innovation around origination and just really, really smart people and interesting companies spinning up over the last 10 years. And servicing was just left behind. Uh, and so we really saw and we, we, we view ourselves as a kind of an infrastructure as a service company. Um, while we do have some really great consumer applications um, to really build a best in class service or experience, you need the you need the infrastructure along with the consumer um, experience. It's not just one or the other. So what, um, what we look to accomplish um, is really taking it piece by piece. Building um, you know, a servicing platform is a really massive undertaking. We're talking about on the default side, on the performing side, it's huge. Uh, it's a nice story to tell that you're going to build the next gen servicing system, but ultimately it's going to take years. Um, and so we saw the opportunity um, to really make an impact here in loss mitigation um, back in 2017. So that's where we you know, we founded the business and really started diving in and building uh, quickly um, in loss mitigation, which is obviously highly relevant today. Um, just just seeing that you know the the low default environment, um, you know you see you see these cycles, right? We're not, I mean, and now we're living another one every ten every 10, 12 years. You see a recession, and we just we we looked at the space and we looked at the default technology out there, and it just wasn't wasn't cutting it. No one's really thought about default, and no one's innovated in over 20, 30 years in that space. So. We took it upon ourselves to start there uh, and built a system, um, a workflow platform per se, um, to really navigate these challenging waters that we're seeing today. So it's interesting that it does seem like a pretty unique thing to want to get in and dive into. As you mentioned, origination seems to drive a lot more interest and it's, it's sexier. And so there's a lot more companies that, that spark in that space. So was there a single aha moment for you or, or uh, you know, is there a memory you have where you were like, this is what I need to do? Yeah. So I had a lot of time. So in, in a, so I, at first I spent before even incorporating the business and doing the whole, the whole, you know, getting it off the ground. I spent upwards of nine months talking to industry executives. Um, what were the pain points? Understanding things. They're really understand, deeply understanding the space. And the current systems time and time again kept coming up in servicing and mortgage that that was just really re driving a lot of pain. It was really old, really stale, really expensive. Um, 
and this passionate, like if someone just were to build this, we would adopt that. And you don't hear that very often, particularly when I was on the venture investor side, you didn't really hear this needs to happen. This needs to change. And it was, it was, it, we, it was from the largest bank servicer to the non-bank servicer to the credit union. No one was really satisfied with their servicing technology. And to me, I think that the interesting questions were being, were not being asked to the servicing side. It was always the origination side and there's so much competition there. Um, and there's, like I said, there's great, there was great innovation there. Um, but the servicing side was always just the afterthought and it's, it is that look, residential servicing is huge. Uh, it's a massive, massive market and, and the companies that have been around for a while are very big. Uh, and so they have those relationships and those are the challenges um, that I start up my face, which is we, you know, we are, you know, atypical in that we're a newer company um, and servicers themselves have been dealing with the industry players for decades. Yeah. I, a lot of, um, you know, I think a lot of folks aren't as aware on, on uh, all the consumer touch points that servicing, you know, has, you know, even through the loss mitigation and really all the way through and, um, you know, maybe give us a, an overview of how you think about servicing as a consumer facing you know, um, technology or approach or technology. So it's playing out real time right now. Um, as you see with the forbearance, what we call the forbearance crisis. Um, it's great. Um, you know, given in this current environment, um, folks can't afford their mortgage payments. Um, and they put, they're put on forbearance. Um, well, how does that happen? So you're, it's already public that, you know, they're, they're sitting on hold wait times for a few hours just to get a response. Um, well, what happens here is a forbearance isn't loan forgiveness, right? So what you have to do is now reevaluate that loan and what is the out, what are the outcomes um, over the next few months? So how the, how the consumer has to understand right now is even in a no doc environment, they call it, um, or, or in a document environment, they're gonna have to interface with their, with their servicer. Today, it's very, very offline. You're talking about downloading paper packets online, you know, filling it out like you would old school, going and finding your information you need, like your pay stubs and your, and there's a lot of documentation based on what you need, um, and just mailing it back in. So we've created a complete digital experience for that borrower. So we have a borrower, what we call borrower packets. Um, so based on the investor, if it's Fannie, Freddie, FHAVA, USDA, we can launch a digital white labeled borrower packet to that borrower automated um, and ask a set of questions. And based on our smart workflow in the background, we understand what documentation uh, we need to re-perform that or for, for us to um, render a loss mitigation outcome. So on the back end, we have a lot of sophisticated workflow and waterfalls um, industry speak, but really what it means is we have the engine behind it to know what outcomes are available for what borrowers based on the loan investor themselves. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, and obviously, you know, this is particularly important right now, as you mentioned. Um, so with, with COVID-19, there's a lot of concern around the implementation of mortgage payment relief. Um, and you mentioned the, the hold times. I was actually, I saw that um, MBA survey uh, that was just, just came out that was talking about servicer call center volume. I was actually blown away that servicer call center volume and hold times is like a public metric. I, I had no idea. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's obviously the, the system's under a lot of strain right now. Um, does it feel like we're equipped as an industry to support that need right now? Certainly not. I mean, you're seeing it throughout. Um, there, the, we, we were not, and that's the issue with, you know, defaults come and they, it's very reactionary. I think for better or for worse, the mortgage industry has been reactionary. And so, um, 
in these times of crisis, it's really hard to develop those software very quickly, right? Um, we need the software when you need it, but software takes years to develop, particularly complicated, complex regula regulatory software like we have. Um, it takes years to develop, and you develop that when things are good, typically, or you want to. When things are bad, it's really, really hard to go and develop software. So right now, for better or for worse, uh, many of these servicers are just not equipped to handle the call center volume. Um, and so we're, we're obviously active in with many with, with those, a lot of these different bank to non-bank servicers um, and standing up solutions. Um, but it does take time if we haven't been working with you before. So I would say, um, yeah, like there's going to be some challenges here over the next, you know, call it year to two years um, in managing this current COVID crisis. I mean, how, how do you how do you navigate kind of being somewhat in a no-win situation? Like when, when origination is going really well, I can imagine no one wants to invest in, in servicing. And so you, you're kind of like the, the sky is falling guy, you know, like, like you're going to need this someday. And then when things are in crisis, no one has the time to do it. So how do, how do you convince people to do the right? Yeah. So we, I would say this is such a problem that we are now, um, just flooded with inbound inquiries and how we can stand this up quickly um, because we do have the technology and they recognize that. And this isn't a 30 to 60 day flip, like all every all of a sudden now we're gonna go back to prosperous times and less mitigation won't be needed. So um, if you're looking at the longer term horizon, um, I would say you have some really smart people in this industry that understand this is the right time to invest in digital technology and loss mitigation, um, which wasn't the case. Uh, there just wasn't the technology there back you know, 10 years ago, and now there is. So we've applied some of those, you know, lessons learned uh, and, you know, origination technology, you know, like some things you see in origination, we've applied it to servicing. Uh, it's novel for servicing, but it's been near for 10 years in, or in origination. Um, and so we have, yeah, now, yeah you, you are, act, I think you're totally spot on when that folks don't really want to invest in default solutions when, you know, they have other things to do, this refi boom. But now you're seeing, you know, we're seeing an absolute crazy wave um, of folks, you know, wanting and needing to invest today uh, in, in loss mitigation. Is there, um, besides the, the, you know, obviously the, the marshalling of resources that I'm sure you're having to put in place to service what's now going to be really strong demand for your type of product, is there any kind of COVID specific, like new types of product features or solutions that people are asking for because of just how unprecedented this is? Yeah, so a lot of the streamlined products, obviously, um, when you're talking about what happens post forbearance, um, that's unique. We, we, we stood up a, you know, basically over the weekend um, and a few all-nighters, um, a response in which it takes into account the forbearances themselves. So right away, we give an online experience. Um, if, if you're affected by, by COVID, um, let us know and we automate that process and then we monitor that. Um, and then in terms of um, what we're doing for the future, um, when, when those forbearances do come due, um, we're, we're enabling now servicers and banks to automate what they can in terms of the streamlined um, options for their borrowers. Um, do you think, so as you're thinking about that, obviously in the short term, what are the what are the opportunities to maybe make that, you know, permanent, you know, so, so permanent approaches, I guess, out of this, does this change your, your, your roadmap or the way you look, you know, look at what's coming out, out after the crisis? Um, so, so going back to the thesis of the business itself and what we were looking to accomplish, um, we, we thought about it from a componentized framework. Like I said, servicing, building a servicing system is a big task at hand. Um, and so when we think about, where we're going. I mean, we, we're, we're just 
obviously laser focused on executing on our current clients, clients that are coming out to us right now, needing the help. Um, we do have teams that we're triaging to continue with our roadmap, but right now we absolutely are just laser focused on providing, you know, excellent support to our customers because uh, they're, they absolutely need it right now. Um, so yes, we're obviously strategically thinking about the future and where that may lay, lead us to, um, but today's problem is severe. And so we're just making sure that we're there for, for the folks that need us. Yeah. And, and, and obviously your, your direct customers are the servicers themselves, but to a point that I think Keenan was making before, um, you know, servicing is kind of a consumer facing industry. And in, in some ways, you, you, that your technology and products are being utilized by consumers during potentially very tough times um, in their lives. Um, how do you guys think about kind of how to be humane in your design and your communication to the customers in, in that kind of a process? It, it's great. We actually wrote about this. We, um, uh, last week, we, you're seeing that, like even the word forbearance, what does that mean? Um, and like what, what, like, yes, there's these legalese. It goes back to servicing is very regulated. It's regulated heavy, right? It's really a lot of regulatory burden on the servicers, but you have to keep in mind that you are talking to someone that doesn't live mortgage speak every day. So what we've done is we've really made a very user friendly experience, um, on the consumer front for those folks that understand what we're asking and why we're asking, um, the questions we're asking and what does it mean? What does a modification mean? What does a forbearance mean? What does a repayment plan mean? Um, I mean, if you look on Yelp right now at these servicers, it's there. I mean, one star would be a, a, the top three servicer because I think, I mean, it's just, it's, and it's, been, and it's been the case. And I think you can really do a lot with technology on the messaging. There's a lot you can do and a lot with the workflow too. It's really, that's what goes back to like, you can, you, we can, can solve a lot of the pain if you're talking about both workflow and you're talking about consumer experience, because it's not just the consumer experience because you got to have what's behind that. Um, to really make an impact, to make sure that you're actually addressing the, the problems that they're seeing. Um, you know, giving them huge wait times, telling them that they have to repay their loan in 90 days, like what are the best outcomes and making sure that they, they come available for those guys and they bubble up. So yeah, we're, we're really focused on the consumer experience because in the end, those are, the, those are the folks that really matter. Yeah, and consumer experience, to your point, some of it is how you communicate and explain um, but it's also probably all that backend logistical stuff to ensure that, you know, the services are following through on the promises they're making. That's exactly right. Um, since this is the real estate fintech podcast, we've got to throw in at least one real estate question. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the property, this is all around someone's, you know, home that they, they own. Like all of this is about whether they can, you know, um, be in a position where hopefully they can you know, get through this period and, and stay in their home. But how do, how do you guys think about real estate and the way this kind of plays back into, you know, the real estate market? Yeah. So, um, look, I think loss mitigation is obviously great, right? You have a lot of different outcomes here. Like, well, our whole purpose in our existence is to keep people in their homes. Um, the bankruptcy and foreclosure path is not ideal for anyone. Um, that's where the alignment is there. You want the servicer wants to keep you in your home. The borrower wants to stay in their home primarily. Um, the investor wants you to stay in your home. So, um, you know, what we're seeing is just, we, we want to make sure that these borrowers, um, that are, that are falling on hardship, whether it be COVID related or not have the outcomes, um, that, you know, bubble up the right outcomes for those borrowers and servicers. Cause oftentimes they are aligned. Um, you know, people fall on hard times. 
for various reasons um, or they can't make their payments. Um, so in this current crisis, based on, on back to the real estate question, um, I think it's too early to tell, right? I think there's a lot of people trying to make hypothesis um, on where the market goes. Um, we're just completely focused on you know, keeping people in their homes um, so you're not seeing a wave of bankruptcy and foreclosure and doing our part um, in that. Any, um, any advice? I mean, you're, you're in one of those rare companies, right? That's seeing, you know, um, an influx of, you know, overwhelming need right now for what you do. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just wondering if you have any advice for other leaders in this position, like what's, what's the right way to kind of navigate, you know, this sort of short term boom, if you will, um, of being at the right, having the right solution that helps people during this, this time. I mean, it's, it's certainly focus. Um, and we have some really strong leaders on our team that keep us focused. It's, this is around the clock kind of job for us. I would say it's like, you know, it's, we're lucky on three hours of sleep a night at this point, but I think, you know, you got, we have a lot of passionate people that know, um, and I would, the advice would be that, you know, just have the right folks on your team. Cause now we have, we, we, we have built a really strong leadership team. Um, we are, you know, we did just take a new round of capital. Um, and ultimately we're just focused on executing, you know, for the greater good of the, of the consumer for, for the customers that we, you know, that we have, um, and just, you know, being attentive and, and I guess understanding where we are, like not everyone is in the position we're in. Um, and so being, you know, humble and, and making sure that, you know, we're providing the value we can. Well, it'd be, a, that's a good transition for us to, to kind of, uh, move towards asking about your team and, and how they're doing. Uh, it seems, it seems like, um, What's one positive outcome of what the world is going through is that on every call I'm in now, it either starts or ends with somebody saying, how you doing? How you holding up? How's the team? So how, how's the team at Brace? How's, how are folks doing with work, with working from home and quarantine and all that? How, how's everybody holding up? It's good. Um, it, it's, it, I think we're, people are in high, we're, we're, we're okay. We are in um, a unique environment that all our product and engineering um, are in Manhattan. So as you can imagine, they're in the kind of the ground zero of this whole thing. Um, we were, we were, you know, we do, we were, we were on the early side of quarantining, um, which was great. We, uh, we've been in, I was mentioning earlier, five weeks in the house right now, we've been in Los Angeles. We have a team in Los Angeles, um, and a team in, Man in Manhattan. And, you know, they were, we've all, we, we, we shut down the office very early, um, when, you know, when, when folks were still two weeks later, still going to work, even in Manhattan. So we've, um, we hunkered down, no one, you know, no one, no one has had any direct exposure um, to the to, to the virus, which we're really fortunate. Um, and um, morale's obviously, you know, we're, we're everyone's really working hard because we know the impact we can make. And so um, we're growing. Obviously, we are hiring quite a bit, um, as you can imagine, just the need here. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's an interesting environment in which you hire virtually. Um, lots of uh, virtual zooms um, of hiring. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, we're, we're good. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a unique and, and, and we are, you know, because we are a fintech company, we were easy to, we were, we were able to transition fairly seamlessly to a remote environment. Do, do you interview the family at the same time on, on the zoom call? Just, you know, make sure that the kids are in line and, and the dog. <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 it's, it's usually my dog. I, I have a puppy who's only six months old. Uh, and so my dog tends to come in and I'm surprised, you know, where I'm lucky right now that uh, she's not hanging out with me. Um, typically she makes typically every call I make, she makes an appearance. 
One thing that that's, you know, I think we've been experiencing, you know, at Clear Capital, I'd be curious if, if you're feeling this way, is um, having work to do right now that feels like it makes an impact, even if it's on our little portion of the world and our little portion of the industry is like a really nice distraction <laughs> from the heaviness of what's going on in the real world. Is that is that how you feel? That's exactly how we feel. It's the, that's that's it. Like that's what we're working towards a mission right now. Um, and as as crazy and wild as it is out there, we're trying to be helpful, you know. And so it's like it's a mission driven theme right now throughout. Um, and so it helps kind of get you through the day. Uh, and it's yeah, it's certainly how we think about it as well. Well, this has been this has been great. Really appreciate the insights and and time. Really. Uh, Really appreciate what you guys are doing too. I mean, we you know, we work directly with servicers and and service servicing technology, and you know, hearing what you guys are up to is, a, is certainly a breath of fresh air um, for the whole industry. So I, I wish you all the all the success because we we'd love to to, to work with approaches like this um, uh, on the side of the house. So thank you. No, we appreciate that. We appreciate everything you're doing as well. Thank you for the time here. Good luck with that puppy. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I can hear her come up the stairs now. <laughs> hey, thanks to Eric for joining us. That was awesome to hear from him and, and hear about all the interesting stuff Race is doing right now, uh, especially to support folks during these very interesting times. So thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. That's how you close it. You say, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>